Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the radio guy, Mike Prince. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Prince Show. We are reaching out on our Brazos Valley Schools Credit Union Hotline, and we're going to hear from a familiar voice and a familiar person of the Southwestern Athletic Conference in the likes of Willer Brown. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing just fine. No, no complaints. Just happy to be here. Happy to be alive. Well, uh, that makes the both of us, sir. I do thank you for taking time to join us here on the Mike Prince Show on our Brazos Valley Schools Credit Union Hotline. I know you are an exceptionally busy man, still in the world of uh, athletics and sports, and uh, bring the people up to speed of what you're doing these days, and we'll continue on with this show. Okay, well, I'm the uh, assistant AD at uh, Fort Valley State in Fort Valley, Georgia, and, you know, pretty much the uh, number two person in the athletic department and responsible for pretty much the day-to-day operations of the of the entire department. And uh, I've been here a little over two years now since I left Jackson State, and uh, real, real nice place to be. Fans are great, and, you know, alums are great, everything's going great, and so... I have no major complaints right now. Well, you know, it has to be something about being in that chair of athletic director where you guys have to have your head examined to want to be (laughs) in that position. Because, let's be honest, it's almost a guarantee that you somewhat shorten your professional career in the world of athletics because sooner or later – things go south for whatever reason, uh, whether it's the change of administration or just things are not working out. What keeps you coming back wanting more, man? Well, you know, it's pretty much as I say, you damn if you do, you damn if you don't. But, uh, you know, when you come up in athletic administration and things of that nature, I mean, you know, your, your aspiration is to strive to be in that, in that number one chair and in that top position. And, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, the, the main thing is, is being able to help take care of the kids and making sure that they graduate, that sort of thing. And, you know, so the, the reward is, is that. And seeing the kids come in as freshmen or sophomores or what have you, watching them go across that stage at the end of the day and you know, them, them coming back two and three and four and five years later and, you know, really getting into, you know, the alumni side of things. So, for me, it's always been about the kids and trying to do the best we can for the kids. Uh, you know, everything else is pretty much like a sidebar, so to speak. You know, you're dealing with the alums and, you know, dealing with your administration and dealing with conference offices and all that sort of thing. You know, but you can't get sidetracked in terms of the, you know, the, the main deal, and that's making sure that the kids are taken care of. Absolutely, because without the kids, there is no institution, there's no athletics, there is no nothing. And you got to take care, as if you allow me to use this terminology, of the golden calf. So, (laughs) with that being said, you got this NIL name and image 
likeness deal going on. We know that it's going to be on a larger scale on the power fires. And if the truth be told, it's always been going on. They're just now identifying it, trying to somewhat even and balance out the field for the rest of those who remain. Because if you want me to believe, and this is just Mike Prince 101 and the views and expressions of this comment I'm about to make, or of Mike Prince and Mike Prince alone, they've been paying these guys all alone and wanted <laughs> us to act like we didn't know that it was happening. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the main thing, Mike, you know, when, when it comes to that is that, you know, it, only the stars are going to get paid. You know, your right guard or your right tackle or your center or, or your defensive tackle, you know, nobody's using their likeness on posters and all that sort of thing. You know, so, you know, where, where do they get the dollars from? You know, so, I mean, until somebody can come up with a, an idea that's going to be able to spread dollars equally across the board, I don't know that that's ever going to fully work. Right. It's going to always be a challenge. And then another note about that NIL deal that's set up, the student-athlete cannot be in any university gear, cannot even use the university's name. It has to be solely on their name, image, and likeness, nothing related to the institute that they're, institution that they're belonging to. And so that can make it somewhat challenging, too. But I think an, a quick solution to it is to give everyone a stipend across the board, of whether they are the star or their support role player. And that way you can kind of keep things in a, in a balancing act. I agree. I agree with that. You know, the problem becomes uh, where does the money come from? You know, because we know that, you know, Power 5 guys are valued more than MEAC or, or SWAC guys, that sort of thing. And, you know, so, you know, that, that's, that's the question is where does the dollars come from? And until we can even that out across the board, the, the balance, the scale is always going to be unequal. Oh, no doubt about it, uh, and that's something that makes us have to be creative when it comes to the dollars available for the dollars needed and just trying to keep, as you mentioned earlier, the main thing, the main thing. Mm -hmm. We're talking right now with Willie, I'm sorry, Willer Brown yeah. of the Fort Valley part of the SIAC conference and uh, life is is been decent for you guys over there and when we talk about HBCU athletics and I know you came from a quote unquote division one to division two there are really a lot as far in the similarities of operation the challenges that you face on a day-to-day -day basis and the overall uh, thriving of getting these kids across that stage mm -hmm. well the challenges are the same you know, whether you're at D1, HBCU, or D2, you know, and that's finding the dollars necessary in order to uh, run a respectable program and, you know, put your best foot forward, that sort of thing. And, you know, we all at HBCUs, we all have the same problems in terms of dollars and cents. And, you know, in some places it's just on a larger scale uh, than others. And uh, so our scale may not be as large simply because, you know, we have fewer athletes than, you know, we did on the Division One level. We have, you know, fewer sports, that sort of thing. But, you know, the problems and everything are, are still the same. Right. Now, the mandate 
for uh, uh, your numbers in athletics for Division Two is ten sports. Is it correct? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what sports are you guys operating in? Uh, we we're doing you know both men's and women's basketball. Uh, we have we started men's volleyball. Well, we will start men's volleyball come next year. But we also have women's volleyball. Uh, we got your you know your uh, track and field and cross country, uh, football naturally and softball. And I think I think I'm missing oh baseball tennis, baseball man you didn't call out the baseball yeah we don't we don't have baseball here for Valley I don't know uh, when. When it ceased to exist, but yeah, but that's something that we don't sponsor. You, you, you're breaking my heart, Brown. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> now they say, "What can Brown do for you, man? Get me some baseball." <laughs> baseball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> now uh, the SIAC has taken on the joint venture of introducing men's volleyball. Personally, I'm excited about that. It's held in the springtime, opposite mm-hmm. of the women, so it won't be competing with that, and it's relatively an inexpensive sport to get off the ground. And mm-hmm. is that part of the lure of why you guys said, oh, you know what, let's go ahead and participate in this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the uh, there's a certain group, and I can't think of the name off the top of my head, that uh, really put forth a lot of dollars to help sponsor this thing amongst HBCUs. And uh, so we got a grant, I think, totaling close to $100,000 to uh, get it off the ground, that sort of thing. And so, you know, with that, we were able to, you know, hire a coach and put some things in place in terms of getting getting the program started. So uh, we hired a, a coach uh, this past spring, Larry Rather, and uh, Larry was a assistant volleyball coach at the University of Charleston in West Virginia, and uh, but he played volleyball collegiately at Ball State young fella, and uh, so he's coming, he has come in, and he's going to coach both men and women volleyball, and uh, we're going to see what we can do with this thing and, and see to what level, what heights we can take it. Oh, man, now here comes the trick question. Mm-hmm. He's going to coach men and women. Does he get both head coaching salaries, or are they just going to split them down the middle? We kind of split them down the middle. And, uh, <laughs> You know, on this level, we can we can only afford to pay coaches, but so much. I do and, understand. Uh, so we we pretty much split it split it right down the middle. Well, let them know at least I tried for them, man. I tried. <laughs> I sure will. I'm will. Let's now it, it, it's it's a it's going to be a very interesting approach, and I'm going to be viewing this one real close to see how it's received. It's one of those sports that I believe could take off. It's affordable. And it doesn't take a whole bunch of trying to reinvent the wheel. And I was just surprised that it's not as uh, received in the southern part of the country. Mm -hmm. I just don't get it. Do you have an answer to that? No, I don't. Not at all. You know, but when you think of volleyball pretty much, I mean, you think of the West Coast pretty much. You think of the Midwest and, uh, you know, those kind of areas. but no, I don't know. Well, you know, football is king in the South. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I don't know that there's anything that comes to a close second. Maybe basketball. That's pretty much about it. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that, that volleyball historically has had any traction in the, uh, in the Deep South. We're speaking right now with Coach 
I keep calling you coach, but athletic director, associate athletic director, Wheeler Brown, and uh, we're getting caught up. Now, it's no secret that uh, your last Division One place of employment was in the Southwestern Athletic Conference and with Jackson State, as they say, the I love. Now, <laughs> I like them. I can't say I love them, but I tolerate them because they're part <laughs> of the conference. Unless you've been on the planet Jupiter, uh, there's been a, a major hire and a shift in the atmosphere with uh, Deion Sanders being a part of the coaching uh, staff now of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Number one, could you believe it when you were hearing the reports, and did you hear the reports before the quote-unquote normal people were hearing this? Well, I, I, I was hearing the whispers, so to speak, and uh, but didn't think that it would be a reality. But, you know, the, the louder the whispers become, the more sense of truth there may be in those whispers. And uh, so I wasn't too shocked when it happened, but, you know, still kind of surprised just the same. Yes, sir. I think uh, the rest of the SWAC world and the outside world of the SWAC were still as shocked as everyone else. Now, with all that being said, the impact that uh, Sanders has brought has been uh, already felt. It's been projected that the time that he's been here that, He's got in the value of about $15 million before any game has been played, which is great. Now, not the actual money in hand, but with all the world tour, I've been calling it, of being on this platform, that platform, advertisements, and, and this, that, and the other has come out to about $15 million that you would have to spend out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And that is absolutely awesome. But you actually have been in that driver's seat. What are some of the things that you're going to uh, think or, or should be coming down the road as far as the transitional piece for Dion to be successful? Well, I, I think probably first and foremost, uh, you, you have to look at the experience factor or maybe the lack of experience in terms of being a, a collegiate football coach. And, and there's just a lot of things involved with that aspect, you know, from dealing with the kids on a day-to-day -day basis, on making sure that they stay academically sound, from, you know, going into uh, potential student-athletes' homes and, you know, selling your program, selling Jackson State University, you know, just the late nights in terms of film session and the 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning phone calls that you get when a kid has been out somewhere where they didn't need to be and maybe have gotten in trouble or something to that nature. is just more than what you see, you know, at the, at the press conference, that sort of thing. So, and, you know, we all know that, you know, you're only going to be as good as the people that you're able to surround yourself with. So, you know, if you're able to surround yourself with a quality coaching staff, you know, people that have been, you know, through the wars, so to speak, that, you know, know what they're doing, that can, you know, handle kids and handle business like it's supposed to be, then you're only going to be as successful as that. But I would say this, you know, uh, my pet peeve, I guess if you want to call it a pet peeve, I don't know if that's the correct word or not, you know, is that. You know, he will be probably the fourth football coach 
over the last years, five years, you know, if you count, you know, going forward from Coach Comagee. And, you know, it's hard to develop a program, let alone a winning, winning program, if you're getting rid of coaches every two years. You know, so, you know, you have to look at it like, you know, if Dion doesn't come in and win right away, uh, what's going to be the mindset? What's going to, you know, affect how, how things move forward? So, you know, it's a good honeymoon period right now. You know, bottom line, at the end of the day, you got to win and you got to win quickly. You know, and if not, you know, people will start to sour on you very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, then we get back into the same thing, the same process over again in terms of going out there and trying to find another coach. Yes, sir. And that's one thing that I've been on record for saying. There are five HBCU programs that you can't come in half-stepping because it could be a very short visit. And mm-hmm. Jackson State, FAMU, Tennessee mm-hmm. State, Grambling State, and Southern University. Mm-hmm. Those five institutions, you can't come in half-stepping. You better hit the ground running. You got and, to hit it running. Right. And I know there's old saying no risk, no reward, and you don't know if a mule can pull until you hook him up. The fact that D.I. will come in with the name recognition, that's not going to be a problem. And most of the parents that he'll be interacting with have grown up admiring the work of Deion Sanders. And one thing that I found out about Deion Sanders, the player, that when he was playing, either you were all in on Deion or you were all out. And I mm-hmm. think that's part of what has been the buzz in the air with this hire because it's a lot of the people who remember the prime, the prime, the prime. And then there's those who say, well, what did he do that was so exceptional other than return punts? Yeah, he was a good cover corner and this, that, and the other. So you got that splitting of hairs right now. And I think mm-hmm. that's spilled over to this. And then uh, there are many coaches who remain to stay off the record, and you have to respect that. They somewhat feel, let's say, neglected. Mm-hmm. On, on this move, and it's going to be very interesting to see how all this unwinds and, and intertwines as we move harmoniously together as one <laughs> loving conference. And I, and I will say this, I, I will say this, Mike, that, uh, you know, there are coaches out there who spend their entire lifetime trying to get to a point where they can be in the running for a collegiate head coaching position. And, you know, I'm not going to sound like a hater or anything like that, you know, because I've, I've been in those lines of, you know, trying to get to become an athletic director, that sort of thing, and putting in the work and uh, putting in the hours, that sort of thing. And, you know, anytime you have somebody that pretty much, I ain't going to say wake up one morning and decide that they want to be a college head coach, but that's pretty much, uh, pretty much about it, and then go right to the head of the line. You know, and bypass, you know, all the folk who have been putting in the time and putting in the work and, you know, just go right to the head of the line and, and become a collegiate head coach. You know, I know there are a lot of coaches out there somewhere that probably feel a little slighted, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's nothing against privilege or, you know, anything like that. I mean, you know, he took advantage of the situation and, you know, now he's the head coach at Jackson State. But I just feel that, 
you know, a lot of, like I said, assistant coaches and other coaches who have put in a lot of time and effort to perfect the craft, you know, hoping that they would get an opportunity to uh, to be a head coach one day, you know, are, are kind of slighted by it, I'm sure. Well, you know what, and as you were speaking, it reminded me of the old saying, biblically related, that faith is not fair. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, and I'm not going to turn this into a sermon, but I'm thinking about Jonathan and David. Mm-hmm. Where Jonathan was the direct heir of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and the mantle fell toward David. And Jonathan was gracious enough to accept that, and as a return, he was blessed behind it. But it was Saul, his father, that was more aggravated than Jonathan himself. Mm. And it's just interesting to see. I didn't want to, you know, that was, I guess that's Bible 101 for those that are listening right now. <laughs> and, and so, but it's, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how all of this has turned out. And if one thing that we can say that A.D. Robertson has got right, and I'm pretty sure you've been in the same seat your job is to try to create buzz of your mm-hmm. program in season and out of season. Mm-hmm. And he definitely hit a home run on that. But as we say, the story has yet been told because there has yes. not been one game played. Yes, it does. And, you know, I, mean, I applaud A.D. Robson for, you know, thinking outside the box, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's one of those, Either you hit or you miss, and, you know, so the jury is still out. And, you know, if, if Dion comes in and does a great job and, you know, takes the program to new heights, that sort of thing, then it was a success, you know. But if he comes in and, you know, two years later, you know, he's heading out or heading in another direction, then it wasn't a success. But, you know, you you never know until you get up to the plate and, and swing the bat. So. You know, we'll we'll see what happens, and you know, time time will tell. You know, yes, but, sir. You know, our fans fans are fickle. Let's you know, let's call it like it like it is. You know, no doubt about that. They'll love you one minute, and then you know, the next minute when you start losing, they kind of go south on you really quick. So you know, it's going to be important that you know, they try to come in and turn some things around right away. And uh, you know, like I said, if he does that, it's going to be great. And if not, then there's going to be some issues down the line. Yes, sir, because as my father used to tell us, meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> he is still inheriting a team that went four and eight. True. He's inheriting True. a program that has not had success in seven years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure walking into the camp. Yes, Regardless of who you are, if you're Deion Sanders, if you're Mike Prince, if you're a pro football Hall of Famer, but you're still a first-time coach, Mm -hmm. and the expectations are there. But if there was ever a personality that could handle the necessary pressure, you would think on surface would be Deion Sanders. Yes, yes, you would you would think so, and you know I would I would definitely be one to agree with that. You know I've always been of the mindset, Mike, that you don't know what you have in a coach until the end of year three. You know, at the end of year three, you know your your roster is pretty much seventy five to eighty percent turned over in terms of 
you know, the coach having his kids in the pipeline, that sort of thing. And, you know, he's pretty much got his, you know, feet settled up under him, that sort of thing. And, you know, so the end of year three is when you can really sit back and, and see what you have. You know, but the key is getting to the end of year three. You know, and lately since Coach Comedies has left out of there, there hasn't been a coach that has gotten to the end of year three. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, you know, you have to come in and try to turn things around very quickly, as you stated, you know, with somebody else's kid. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to come in and, and put that thing together very quickly and, and, and try to see what you can do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are speaking with Willer Brown. We sound like we're talking that he's at Jackson State, but he's at Fort Valley, but he has the mm-hmm. Jackson State experience. And we are truly appreciating your insight on that because we know that Jackson State is a very unique place to be. Uh, It's in the capital, of course, and it's always amazing to me that Alabama State, Jackson State, Southern University, they're in these state capitals, and it seems like they're under that microscope a little bit more than most of your other institutions. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are, no doubt. You know, and so that, that alone brings a little creative flow and buzz throughout the air. But with all that being said, just like you and I, I'm pretty sure the rest of the conference and parts of the country will be keeping an eye on what we've been calling the Sanders experiment to see how this thing unfolds. But meanwhile, we want to make sure that we keep in contact with you guys in the SIAC, in particular that of volleyball. Now, if I'm not mistaken, is it for the 21 season or is it 22 season? It's for the 21 season. So hopefully, uh, hopefully next fall uh, it'll be the inaugural season. Look, mm-hmm. Coach, I want to thank you for joining in with us, and I called you Coach again, but you are a coach of coaches, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I want to thank you so much. We have a custom here at the Open Mic, and we allow our guests to have some closing thoughts and comments, and, sir, the floor is now yours. Well, I want to thank you, uh, first off, for the opportunity to speak with you and speak with your audience today. And, uh, you know, I want to say thanks to Fort Valley State University for, you know, giving me an opportunity to be here, an opportunity to work with great coaches and, and great kids. And I uh, want to try to pump up the SIAC uh, when at all possible. And let's see what we can take this thing from here. Yes, sir. And I'm looking forward to it. And then we can at least, if we don't do anything else with the broadcast coverage, get some coaching shows lined up with you guys in the program and the conference, because that's what we're about here at the Open Mic, spreading the love on any HBCU that will open up the door and say, come on in. We're here to help serve and spread your message out. We look forward to the opportunities on that, sir. Sounds good. Sounds yes, good. Yes, sir. He is Willow Brown with Fort Valley. I am the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince, reminding you that my social media handle for Twitter is at the Mike Prince Show. The YouTube channel is the Open Mic Broadcast Network. Our website, obnradio.com, and our 24-hour dial-in message line, 713-570-6736. The clock on the wall tells us that is all. I must exit stage left. And until the next time, you guys be blessed, and we'll see you on the other side. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.